This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. I'm Darren. I don't know everybody, so I just want you to know I'm Darren. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I actually had a really good uh, sermon uh, ready for you, and then last night I realized I'm actually having dinner with our sermon. We've been talking for the last few weeks about the Joseph, right? The, who, who are going to be the prophets that will arise in the hard times? Remember the saying, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And we have just entered the hard times phase caused by weak men. We need strong people to rise up. And the story of Joseph is not the story of Joseph. It's actually the story of the generations of Jacob. This should have been Judah's story. Judah is in the bloodline of Jesus. But Jesus was a weak man created by good times. And we want Joseph's to arise in our Judah generation. And I'm having dinner with uh, Eric, realizing he's 33 years old, which doesn't seem nearly as old as it used to. Right? Like, when I was 17, when I was Joseph's age, uh, he was born. Like, a baby. So, I mean, okay, so that's... The Lord is raising up young men and women all over this nation, and Eric is one of them. And as we're drinking uh, coffee last night and talking, I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I should just have him come and just say everything you're just saying right here. Come say that to us. And that's what's happened in the last two services. He just got back a couple weeks ago from. But would you guys welcome Eric Newberry uh, to be with me for this morning? Um, Eric actually is from uh, the People's Republic of Ohio. Yes. Uh, welcome to the free state of Tennessee, by it the way. It feels good. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. But he, he looks like he's from Asia, if I'm being honest. Like, you probably, you probably fit right in with that. Yeah, beard, I just right? got set free. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, though, your beard, which is very thick and lustrous, is. Thank um, you. It, it, I realize now it fits in both in Asia, but also in hipsters. Like, you would fit right yes. in, in Nashville as well, if I'm being yeah. honest. Like, there's some. Um, Although I'm not a hipster. No, you're not. No. no. But I did just get these Sperry's. And. That was a big move for me, so. Congratulations. Thank I you. Notice this. Yeah, you don't have to wear socks with them. Um, <laughs> we invested uh, $26,000 in the trip that you guys were on. Yeah. Um, because one of the, th- so he went with my friend Mark uh, from Oklahoma. You're from Ohio. The Lord just puts these pieces together. Uh, Mark is an evangelist. Mark cares, he cares about one thing and one thing only, and that is souls. Souls. Period. And we talked about that. That's the gift of the evangelist, right? Shepherds care about shepherding. Teachers care about teaching. And he, this guy is nothing but souls all day long and twice on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so the Brick Kiln ministry is an extension of that ministry that we get to be a part of. But you guys didn't go just for the Brick Kilns. We are going to talk about that. But you went also to host what he calls prayer festivals. Um, in, in the United States, we call them crusades, but if you live in the Middle East, that's not a very pleasant word for you. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it doesn't go well. Charge! Yeah. Yeah. It means, yeah, it means something to, to them. And so, uh, and you're supposed to go a month ago, a month and a half? Yeah. Got canceled? Canceled. Army shut it down? Yep. Lost our hotel money? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so mad about it. Right. Um, <laughs> But then you went anyway. Went anyway, and um, I believe you, you invested 26000 uh, into the prayer festivals, and we saw 13,000 people give their life to Jesus. So that's pretty amazing. 
And, and I want to explain to you what that means. It's not like um, just the everybody, you know, the D, Yamaha DX7 plan and it raise your hands. And, um, it's buses, which is what we were investing in, $100 per bus. And so imagine like there's the Chapel Hill bus, there's the Lewisburg bus, the Shelbyville bus, and they're all going to the same place with a pastor that travels with them and then a pastor who travels back with them. Um, so there, there's actually discipleship happening. There's, and these numbers are from that. And these are uh, people who turn their faith to Christ from Allah, and that's no small accomplishment. Yeah, it's not, it's not something they joke around about. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, they put a target on my back now. I lose my family, could possibly be yeah. you know, persecuted or worse. It's a, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, big deal. And I was talking with, um, with Mark, and, and obviously the one got canceled, and then they said, and they, were, and they were setting it up like it was this big failure, like, but we only had uh, 20,000 people. Don't right. ever say only and 20,000 in the same <laughs> sentence, right? But they normally have like 100,000. So in their minds, this was not that. Yeah, and this time we were expecting one event to be 160,000. So yeah. we were, it was yeah. getting up there. But here's the thing. The, the army says you can't do the event. And what did you do? Because it's not just like, like a mayor of some random county. Yeah, it's the army. The army. I mean, <laughs> they're not screwing around. <laughs> no. no. So what did you do? They don't have any rules either. Uh, oh, yeah. So what did we do? Uh, so we looked and we uh, we had our our operatives out and they told us where the army was and then we went where they weren't. That was the game plan. And so we we did seven events in six days and at wherever the army wasn't. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and we had to pay the police, you know. Of yeah. Course. Yeah, we were talking about that in the early days of, uh, of our ministry. Um, uh, Amy was trying to figure out how to categorize bribes. Um, <laughs> and ask, could I get a receipt? <laughs> I'm like, no, there's no receipts. Like, maybe you put it under gifts. I, I actually don't know. I just know that the only way... Like, when you get to the country, like they, they're not just going to wave you, and they know why you're there. How much did it cost you just to get across the border? Oh, um, I was told a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was told. Yeah, so you either get back on like the plane thousands. or go home, or you pay. And I got to tell you, I just think it's worth it. I don't mind paying that if it's what it takes to get the gospel into a nation. You know, in the words of Jerry Rankin, there is no such thing as a closed country as long as you don't care how you're getting home. Um, and that is uh, this one of these nations. You know, the easy places are taken. Um, and so we have to continue on that. And so you spent that week there. But one of the things that I think is amazing is that when you stand in front of a, a group of uh, people in, in that nation and say that Jesus is Lord, what you're really saying is Allah is not. Mm. Okay? And that's, you know, frowned upon. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, it is. Yeah, people, people die from that, right? Yeah, that's an automatic death penalty. Yeah. But one of the things that's so unique about what your story is, is not only that you guys are 33, but that you've already experienced a, literally a certified by your doctor miracle in Sammy's life. So when you stand on the stage, is that what you talk about? Yeah, every time. You know why? Because I told God it would. Um, so she, when she gave birth, she, she had developed a blood disease called atypical HUS, and it's ultra rare. And long story short, it causes blood clots. And every, everywhere a vein bends, it could clot, you know, hundreds at a time. And, and just like that, you can, you can go. So she dealt with that for seven years. We, we, uh, she had everything from, from heart failure to uh, kidney, kidney failure. So she was on dialysis, plasma, all these medical terms that we learned through the journey. Uh, 
hair loss, weight loss, migraines, months in bed, all that fun stuff. And, and over the years, we, had, we knew God was a healer. We knew the name of Jesus carried power. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And we saw little by little, uh, kidneys came back. You know, from one week it was dialysis, the next week normal kidney function. Um, we saw her hair grow back, the migraine stopped, and, and piece by piece she was put back together uh, and, and until we lost our insurance. She was still on a medicine uh, that costs around $2 million a year. And so she was getting an infusion every two weeks at our home. Uh, we had tried to pull her off the medicine one time and had to go to the hospital urgently. It was uh, just four days past spreading it out a little bit, not even pulling off. It was very bad. So we, uh, we were at a place where we lost our insurance, couldn't get the, the, the medicine anymore. What do you do? You know, we knew either she'd be healed or she'd die. And I didn't like the other option here. So we said, she's got to be healed. So we flew down to Florida, saw this televangelist guy who... <laughs> I think all of us would have said, I, we literally had to make a decision, like, I'm not watching anything he puts out. Right, right. Because I need to protect my faith right now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so we True, just flew I, down. Be honest with me. Was my hair better than his? Better. Yeah. Better. My and dreams. browner. My, yeah, yeah. His, is, <laughs> his was better than mine. That's what you're saying. His is bright white. Yeah. Um, he looks like a scientist. Yeah. Uh, and I understand like the theology thing with that. And yet at the same time, God uses all of us and all of yeah. our, where we are. So we've got to be so careful to sit and throw so rocks because God, I mean, I think we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, oh yeah, Darren, you, you were so enthusiastic about that, but you, you, need, you were a little off here and yeah. your hair could have been tweaked there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Shouldn't have wore Jordans today. Shouldn't have wore Jordans yeah, today. Yeah, they're going to get you. Um, yeah, they're going to get me for that. But, but God works in those things. And on that day, she was healed. Like 100%. Like, a, like, 100, like we asked God, call her out of her seat. We don't want to wait in a prayer line. You know how those things go. And he literally called her out of her seat, said, you now, and she was healed. Right. Yeah. And Praise the Lord. Certified by his doctors back in Cincinnati who are Muslim, which is kind of <laughs> my favorite part of the story, to be able to say to them that Jesus did that. They don't have a wheelhouse for it either. No, no. So she goes in and says, listen, I'm, I'm healed, and Jesus did it. And they, they are Muslim. I mean, yeah. and so they're going, okay, whatever you... That's actually from the... miracle, and Jesus got the credit. And so... And so you stand on that stage. That's actually from the That's from the, the festival. Um, That's my photography skill. Thank you. Yeah, we got to get you. It's the worst picture of all time. I took it. Pretty bad. But we need to get you an iPhone. The um, (laughs) you stand up there and you tell that story. Tell that story. And again, you say Jesus is Lord. They're saying Allah is not. Um, And then you say that, and then it starts happening to just people in in attendance. Like people started getting healed. And then, you know, a paralytic uh, stands up and they're healed and, and the, the, the ministry continues. It's, it's not even, see, the thing is, it's beautiful. I don't have to be a spectacular speaker. I don't have to be something I'm not. I don't have to be an apologist. I don't have to convince you that Jesus is real and I don't have to be intellectual about it. He healed my wife from something doctors couldn't fix. You can't argue that. She's still here. Every day I wake up, I see her. <laughs> I know Jesus is alive and he's real. And so when we preach it, the same thing happens everywhere we go. Yeah. So that day. It's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. 
Remember Elijah, right? The prophets of Baal, they're like scratching themselves. And, and you, you could pray all day long to Allah and he cannot heal you because he's not real. And yet with this, and, and I, look, I understand some of, the, some of y'all maybe squirming a little bit. I get it. Um, but Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. Um, he didn't say we, these, those who believe will follow these signs. That's where we get it wrong, I think, sometimes in our world. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. put the arena downtown and sell tickets and, you know, I don't know, what if God doesn't move? Who knows, right? So I, that, we're not supposed to follow signs and wonders. They're going to follow us. And when you're standing on that stage and you're saying that in the middle of that audience, that is where Jesus, uh, I, I for sure know, shows up in those situations. And he did, mm-hmm. like he always does. Mm-hmm. And so 13,000 are uh, in the kingdom of God that were not before. And then you move from that along the way into the kilns. Yeah. Um, this is your second time to this country. Yep. Mark is, I don't remember how many times Mark has been, but your second time. I think eight. Mark is it eight? eight. He lived in India for years. And then, uh, so you're moving into the kilns. Um, and I, I, I don't want to think everybody knows this, but if you don't, we've been helping set free slaves in these kilns for almost the last year. Um, there are more slaves alive right now on the face of the earth than there were during the entire uh, European trade, slave trade, like right now, today. So you don't have to ask yourself, what would I have done in those days? Ask yourself, what am I doing right now? Uh, exactly. I think so many people uh, like to romanticize. I would have been an abolitionist, you know? I'd have been with Abraham Lincoln. We would have been fighting. Yeah. There's 40.3 million people in slavery now. Yeah. So it turns out we don't just have to tweet about it. Like, you can actually do something We can about do it. it. And so that's one of the things that we, with, um, with Eric and, and with Mark, is that we trust them. Uh, I've been at this a long time. I read Helping That Hurts once a year. And every year I'm like, oh, golly, we're doing that wrong again. Um, but we're, we're trying so hard to hold on to that. But one of them is that do we trust these people or not? And so we trust them. And, so, and part of trusting is that you're going to go there and verify. Trust but verify. And, and you're hanging out in the kilns with families that were literally slaves like the week before, two weeks yeah. before, being set free. What was the difference the second time? From the first time, that you yeah. Went. So the first, the first time, you know, what struck me was the overwhelming need. Oh my goodness! There's so many families that are trapped in slavery. How do you get them all out? How can you raise that much money? You're talking about millions of dollars. Um, so we go from there to this trip, where, I mean, we're across the hundred family mark, and so so many have already been set free. We're walking through the kilns going, it's a matter of time till you're out of here. It's a matter of time till you're out of here. You know, once their name comes across the desk, the money's already there, which is a credit to this church. Yeah, we've, um, it's, that actually got me because, so we sent another $30,000 on Monday, which I don't remember how many family, we, they'll get lists, they're vetted by these pastors. And, um, but you're right, you're walking and meeting people right now that are, Vetted. They don't even know they're going to be free by this yeah. time next week. Yeah. Um, and we still have, just so you know, 54000 in that account. Like, there's more coming <laughs> so for cool. it that the Lord is doing with it. Um, and we have, just so you know, like an average in, since June of last year, when we stood on the stage and said that gathering saves lives, it doesn't take lives. Uh, it was very convenient to uh, say we can't gather here because we want to save lives. That's not, we weren't saving anything. We were just exchanging lives. Um, saying that our lives were more important than theirs. And that first Sunday that we even talked about it here, a guy wrote a $25,000 check, and we were off to the races. So it was like the Lord has just been so kind. And yeah. since then, uh, 2.4 families a week go free is the average when we've averaged it out over this past. So even today, 2.4 families are going to be free, like this week, two families. So it's third service. Okay. Third service. Okay, I looked at him. I said, third service is lit. This is where it's at. Come to third service. 
And you just proved it. Because yeah. the first service, they're like, hey, that's pretty cool, huh? That's really neat. Like 2.4 families per week are set free from <laughs> slavery, from real slavery. And the first, yeah, thank you. The third service, y'all are my people, man. Third service is my people. Yeah, it's true. First service, they yawned. And he's they're like, like that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That was really neat. Yeah, yeah that's neat. Uh, 2.4, huh? Yeah, I told you, third service. We're all wound up by third service. So. <laughs> um, tell me this, though. The difference right now is um, the, we don't require someone to be a Christian to be released, but it's just that they, they're the ones in the most danger. So there's no shortage of that right now. And they're in danger because as a Christian in most uh, Muslim countries, uh, you are, uh, it's the, its own caste system. And so you are now less than human. Like you're like a goat has more rights yeah. than you would have. What is it like for a Christian family in a kiln versus the, uh, like a, a Muslim family? Yeah. So a Chris, I mean, a Christian in the kiln, uh, apart from being a slave already, they are, they're going to get the worst jobs in the kiln. They're going to get worked harder. Their, their daily uh, requirement may be higher. They're, they're the ones being abused. Their children are being abused. And so they're the ones that uh, even, even the other slaves will take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, it just couldn't be, it cannot get lower is what I'm saying. Yeah. And the thing that has been so important for us is that... Um, I mean, first of all, Jesus loves Muslims. I want you to hear me say yeah, that. Yeah, amen. He came and gave his life for God so loves the world, right? That whosoever, right? And he loves Muslims. Mm. And he loves them enough to tell them that I came to put an end to the works that you're doing. Um, to tell us he put an end. One of my friends is a missionary in North Africa for 10 years. And he said once, he, I was actually a really good Muslim. I just didn't know it. Because <laughs> I was just trying to work my way into heaven. And... Um, but it's, if you don't know this, in Islam, it's like the scales. And at the end of your life, if you have one more bad war, uh, deed than good deed, then you are your host. And which is why, like, if you have dinner in their house, and Aj actually went to dinner with us in a house in North Africa with a Muslim family, and they serve couscous. Uh, and they serve couscous because each kous, which we have not decided that is the singular is. of couscous. We've declared it. Yeah, so the plural is couscous. This is a kous. Um, each Kous is actually a, a, a work. And so if you have like a potato, that's one work. But if you've got a whole plate of couscous, each little one, is it right? But that's how scared they are of it. And here's the thing. It's one of the reasons why most of the radical Islamic terrorism that you'll see are from young men who have grown up in the slums of major Muslim countries because they are in so much uh, danger of hell that they're only, there is one guarantee and one guarantee only, and that is that if you died martyrdom. Mm -hmm. That's why we see like from Morocco, one of the uh, plane uh, hijackers was from Morocco. He was a, a little young man who'd been stealing, and, but he's told you can get to heaven if you do this. And not just, not just you, but your whole family. family. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, you love your family. It, it gives you an idea, an, a, yeah. a spotlight into their, their, their mindset. They're doing it because they love their family, which is not as pretty as I think uh, the media's perspective, which is they're just crazy. Yeah. They just want to be saved. <laughs> like, they yes. just want to be saved. Every day of their life. Every day of their life. You ask a young woman in, you know, the Middle East, you know, what it would be like if she, d if sh if she didn't have to worry about that. And we, so we did ask one in North Africa, and she said, well, I could sleep tonight. I would, mm. For the first time in my life, I would sleep. Because it's this constant fear that I don't know if I have enough. And when Jesus, man, he said, it's finished. Take the less die. 
Buddha's last words were strive, right? Mm. Muhammad, keep working, keep uh, jihad, and Jesus was at his finish, man, give me Jesus. Yeah, I'll take Jesus. Long, right? Um, so in that context, one of the challenges that we have facing in our current culture and our world um, is I've seen it the last three times I've been in, in Haiti. I don't know if you've seen it, Mark and Ages, but I'm starting to see the green crescent trucks around, um, which is the Muslim version of the Red Cross. And uh, it's not as clean as it sounds. It's stealing a little bit of a play out of the compassion, Jesus's compassion book that we have the, you know, we're supposed to do. Uh, because in that context, uh, for the most part, their works, it's about recruiting and it's 100% about conversion. Uh, and if, because what's happening right now is some of that compassion is happening. Compassion is a very loose word. You can be set free. They're actually setting free slave families as well. And if you will convert to Christianity on the spot, then you can go free is what they're being told. And there are fathers whose daughters are being abused, yeah. whose sons are being beaten, who are faced with that choice. And by the way, a lot of them are saying, give me Jesus. Yeah, praise God. And I pray that we could have that kind of courage in our nation, in our culture. Yeah, imagine your, your child being forced. I mean, many of you have children. Eight, nine-year-old, they have to work 16 hours a day, no school, no future. And then on top of that, if the, if the kiln owner or the manager gets angry, they can hit that child with a, with a stick. Can you imagine the toll that would take on you as a parent? And then for them to still say, I am not rejecting Jesus. Yeah. It's inspiring. Yeah, it is inspiring. And here's the thing. Uh, Hebrews 11 speaks of them and says that this, they are those of whom this world was not worthy. Worthy of, right. Um, of those who've uh, given their lives in that cause. And so, and it actually says this language, and I don't know, maybe I got to call Michael Easley to figure out what this means, but it talks about a better, they get a better resurrection even. So mm. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, me either. But, because I feel like I'm, I'm already thrilled with whatever I, you know? Yeah. But, but my point is, is that even if that's happening, that, and we couldn't set them free, whatever, that Jesus, is, he sees them and is, he sees it all, right? Um, what is it that, how do I say this right? So you're 33, okay? Mm. Uh, statistics say uh, that you guys are millennials. You shouldn't even be here today. Correct. Right? You shouldn't be anywhere near a church. You should be... Um, and by the way, I believe that that gener your generation is actually our hope. Like, I mean that. Like, that's not just me just blowing sunlight. Like, that is 100% like what happened to Joseph's day. We need Joseph's arising uh, in this generation. What is it that has moved you into this world and what... What is it that has motivated you to where you are? And what is it in a church that is attractive to someone your age or not attractive in that age group? Yeah, so I think, I think that's a good question. When you see a whole generation walking away from the church, you've got to ask the question, why? You can't just say, it's because they're dumb. It's because they're millennials. You have to ask the question, why? And I think for me, we, uh, you know, I was saved out of uh, alcoholism. I was an alcoholic for eight years, and, and I was trying to fill a void and had a lot of pain in my, in my past. And I thought that would fix it, but it didn't. It led me to a, a place of despair. I was suicidal, and I, uh, I decided I would call on the name of Jesus. And when I did, the Holy Spirit filled me in such a powerful way. I didn't sleep for two days. And then I started, then I started reading. It's a Holy Spirit bender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. 
What do they call that in charismatic church? Drunk on the Spirit? Yeah, drunk on the Spirit. Yeah, that's true. Drunk in the Spirit? Yeah, Toronto did that. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't know nothing about that, but, <laughs> but I was. And, uh, and so then I started, I started reading the Bible. And I, I'm reading the, the, the stories of this radical movement, this radical Jesus who was so focused on others that he would die. Like, do you, have you ever thought about him on the cross, the fact that he didn't say a word? You imagine if somebody said a lie about you, like the, the restraint it takes to not even defend yourself. He, wow. was, he was so giving that he gave that up as well. And you see this radical movement, this radical outward focused ministry um, and all these cool things you can do with him, this life adventure. And then you go to the church and it's inward. And it's like, man, how, how, do you, how do you get these two to come together? Like, why am I coming to the church? All we're talking about is this church. And maybe like, oh, I go to, go to youth group and then get out of youth group and then I can sit in the big church. And then maybe if I'm trained up right, I can, I can be a volunteer here somewhere. And, and that's like, uh, that's how we perceived it, yeah. right? And so we're, we're coming in saying, why is this so inward when we're supposed to be outward? What, what I love about this place is y'all are really an external church. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not like 2.4 families a week. $200,000 to feed people in India in one Sunday? Who does that? That's pretty Who nuts. Do, that's the church of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this. You look at millennial businesses, for example. What do they do? I'll sell you a pair of socks, and I'm giving a pair away, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell you something, but then we donate a portion of profit back even if it's social justice oriented, that's because we haven't led them into the kingdom of God. Don't you see? Like they do things for social justice because they don't know how to do them with the kingdom of God because churches don't do it. And so, so here we are. We're in a moment where God is shifting and he's saying, whoever, you guys could have closed the door. Instead, you said, no, 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 no. We're going to do this for real. And God has established you because of it. He has established you because of it. And there's other places that said, no, we're going to close the door, and God has removed them because of it. And that's where we're at right now. The millennials, the, my generation is craving the gospel. They're just craving the real gospel. I, I felt at one point the Lord was showing me that conduit isn't the name of our church. It's the plan for our church. And uh, it took me a while to figure that out. Um, but I just, I, I, we kind of thought that. We were like, okay, w w if we're going to start a church, I, you know, I joke, but I really don't want to grow old in a church I hate. And if we're going to be here every Sunday, then why? Um, and what, mm. what, are we, what are we going to do? And Hebrews 10, 24, man, it just jumped, jumped at us. When you come together, inspire one another to love, to good deeds. Um, and by the way, lot, there are lots of churches rising up to this now. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that the Lord didn't let me start a church till we were like 39 or whatever, because I could have messed up a lot of people's <laughs> lives if I'd have done that at 25. I mean, I did that with enough rock bands, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think that there was some grace in that for me, because uh, by the time we realized we were a church, it was too late, meaning that I'd already had friends that I couldn't just call and say, well, we can't help you anymore because we're starting a church. In fact, we... I was afraid to call it a church because I thought it would ruin it. I thought it would poison it. Uh, and for the first few years, we kept this, the mission even in its own separate 501c3 because just in case. 
Yeah. You know? Backup plan. Yeah, just in case. Because that way if they fired me, they, we still had the mission. Um, but then I realized eventually this was the church. Like, this is exactly what we're supposed to be. This, mm-hmm. is, this isn't a model that anybody should copy, I don't think. But it is a, a, a way forward in the kingdom of God that... A is how he designed us to be. It's exactly, it's acts, man. They brought yeah. the money and they were going to give it away. We're helping, you know, remember the offering in the old days? If you're visiting, you're like, when are they going to pass the offering plate? Like, we don't. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 9, remember it talks about God loves a cheerful giver. And the old days you had to hold your offering envelope up in the hair. Anybody go to that church? And it's offering time. Everybody get excited. Like, I'm not very excited if I'm being honest. Like, I've, you know, like I'm paying my light bill. I'm not that excited about it. Um, <laughs> But then realizing that, um, first, that some of that's in my heart, by the way, but, but 2 Corinthians 9, he was talking about giving money that was going to help the, the saints in Jerusalem who were in persecution and were suffering in famine. Mm. And said, hey, if you give to this, God loves a cheerful giver. And doesn't that feel like, I mean, you think, why well, you're only giving because it makes you feel better. Yes. That's why we're, we said we would, you would feel good because that's mm. what we're called to be, the conduit of his spirit. And when we get to help somebody with it, like, doesn't that feel better? I mean, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right. Now, you want to be more blessed or less blessed? You choose. <laughs> Second service, they picked more blessed. That's true. They're pretty, they're pretty <laughs> I picked more blessed. Yeah, they were pretty confident. Um, uh, five minutes. Okay. So, I mean, we, we literally could do this all day because, I mean, and every service, by the way, has been unique. Uh, which yeah, it's been, been different. It's been good. Um, as far as the future of where God is calling you and Sammy and like, what do you guys see the Lord? I mean, I, he, by the way, he's going with me to Uganda in July. Uh, we found uh, some pretty cool stuff. Like he's been going to Uganda for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, this is literally the, the soccer stadium every December has 120,000 people on it in it. And he's one of the guys putting it together. Um, and I, one of the lines you said was, I'm just a guy from a trailer that's yeah, somehow on the stage. Yeah, grew up in a trailer. Like, yeah. How? yeah. I don't uh, even know how I'm here right now. I'm just sitting here. I'm thinking, how did I get here? Right. Which totally resonates because I, I, mine wasn't a trailer, but it was actually worse than a trailer. Like, nobody wants it. Like, my dad, when he eventually goes to be with Jesus, all our brothers are going to draw straws for who has to take has care of the house because I don't want it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's terrible, but uh, he doesn't have the internet, so he won't know. Um <laughs> But there's something about that, like just the, the Lord just plucking each of you from where you are and putting you where he wants you to be. And what do you guys think that the future is for you guys? Uh, this is the future for us. Yeah, we'll do this until I go to heaven um, yeah. in, in different capacities. So all we care about is the outcome. These, I mean, when you meet the people, I mean, we've got, you've got so many missionaries in this church. When you meet the people, you live for them. And so I, I, I'll advocate for these folks to the day I die. Um, meantime, you know, I know we may end up in Nashville. We'll see what happens. They've been praying about moving here. What do you think? Should they move to Nashville? <laughs> you, you have to, there's a lot of Californians competing for your house. I know. Right there, yeah. <laughs> and we're coming from Ohio. Like, we can't compete. You know what 700,000 gets you in Ohio? Oh, yeah, dude. A lot. You I'm a realtor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want yeah. to get you here? Yeah. A lot. Like, no house on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That he's was thinking, really well played. He's that like, was... wow, man, I can put that in a book. Yeah. Uh, somebody should write that down. Um, I, I do have one last question. Um, were you scared? No. 
Scared of what? Amen. Scared of what? So you say, what do you say? Scared of going to heaven? Well, dying. Yeah, that was the, that's what I was asking. Scared of going to heaven? I'm not going to... See, I think... We were in Pakistan. We're, uh, we were in Asia, San. And... Um, <laughs> We're not live streaming. We can, okay, we okay. We were in Asia stand back in uh, 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 the first trip. And we're in the car. And this, they just built a highway. And so this guy, their, their thing is... Did you the go Chinese as, build it? Yeah, of course sorry, they did. Sorry, sorry. So it's built wrong. And we're going as fast... <laughs> we're, we're, sorry, but Americans build the best highways. That's a true story. Yeah. Except, Except for, for 840, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And that one is jacked up. Totally. I don't know how you can drive on that, the potholes. (laughs) So I'm sorry. Anyways, but yes, we need to pray for that. (laughs) We're going 85 miles an hour. This guy speaks no English. We're yelling at him. Slow down. Slow down. Mark's yelling at him at the top of his lungs. I'm way nicer than Mark. When Mark gets excited. Yeah. I used to work with him as a waiter. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You would think, if you don't know him, you'd be like, is this guy... It's kind of mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's not mean. No, he's no. just serious. Yeah. He's serious. So he's like, slow down. And this guy speaks no English. So he thinks we're saying speed up or something. <laughs> he keeps going. It is pouring down rain. Like the windshield wipers cannot keep up. And this guy just does, has no concept of highway. And we can feel the hydroplane come, hydroplane come. And then we hit the right patch of water and the car just goes 45 degrees instantly. And so we roll over and they built this highway up like this, this high off the ground. It's like eight feet uh, to get it level, hit the curb at 80 miles an hour. And the car just flies off. And I can see like, yeah, we're in the air for real. It's like a movie uh, that we didn't get paid to be in. And, (laughs) and so, you know, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And the car flips like this, and we hit trunk first, which is pretty amazing, known yeah. physics, because uh, the, the motor tends to be heavier than the trunk. But uh, we hit trunk first. I, the dash flies out. I broke through the front seat and ended up in the back with Mark and Victoria. And we walked out of that with no, nothing wrong with us at all. Nothing wrong with us at all. So nothing can kill us. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, there was an older missionary a long time ago on a flight to Africa, or my own, probably Africa, um, who told me that you're immortal. This side of heaven, you are immortal until God is finished with you. Right. So whether you're in Franklin, Tennessee, or Frankfurt, Kentucky, or Fowl is Bad, whatever, you, you, you're going to go. And um, which has given me some peace. I've, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. Like that faith is still one that I'm still trying to catch up with. You know, laying awake in the hotel a couple weeks it's ago. It's either Haiti. faith or. Uh, Idiocracy. It's one of the two. But either way, it works. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm laying awake at night, like, kind of whining in the hotel, thinking, if I get kidnapped, I'm going to be so mad. And <laughs> that's not ideal, is it? No. <laughs> but, I, but I remember thinking, but I know that they're in there, and, you know, you guys could get your head cut off or something, like, in that world. So it's like a whole... So I was trying to, like, this, like steps of, like, faith for me. And so... Uh, but it did get me closer to Jesus that week for sure. And I would say, and I, I think, I, I know I've said it a hundred times, the Jerry Rankin quote, there's no such thing as a close country as long as you don't care how you're getting home. And uh, the, the easy places are taken. It's the hard places that are left. 
uh, and there's a reason for that. And so as a church family, one of the things that when we talked about the, if you managed to not be at the Conduit Next meetings the last few days, we said that this building that we're putting up behind here, it will not, cannot, must not interrupt our plans for what the Lord has for the kingdom of God. And because uh, if it does, we'll just shut it down. Um, and, but it, it turns out it doesn't have to. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. It mm-hmm. just doesn't, we've, we've seen it. It doesn't have to. In just the last two years since we started raising money for the building, 2.2 million has still gone through this into the kingdom of God, into that's the global incredible. ministry. And so we know that it doesn't have to. Um, but I wanted you to see why it's important for us to not have to. That we, people's lives are at stake. This isn't like, we're not playing here. Yeah. There's the real lives and real things that are happening. And, and I would say that in addition to that, not just over there, because I get accused of this a lot, and maybe it's fair, I don't know. You care a whole lot more about those than you do us. And I, I don't think that's true, but what is true is that if we don't care about them, the millennials in this age are going away anyway. So the church can't survive in this current. And, and thank wanna, God for add, that. Thank God for that. They are us. They are us, yes. There is no them in us. Yeah. 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 They're equally as valuable. Yeah. They are our brothers and our sisters. If they can't sit here, that doesn't, that doesn't change who they are. Yeah. They are us. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I want to pray for you uh, as you head out. Um, we're not asking you for any money this morning for this. We've already got money in the account for this. I just wanted to celebrate. Last week was asking for something that we're going to do in the future. Today's about celebrating something we've already been doing. So just put your checkbook away for that. But uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the courage of young men and women, uh, the Eric's and Sammy's of this next generation that's coming right now. Pray, Lord, that you would raise up this Joseph uh, generation. The, the generation of the prophets that are going to be bold and, and courageous, they will lead the way for us. They inspire us. Uh, they are here to help correct us, and we are grateful for that. I pray, Lord, that you will never let this be about G- uh, social justice. This is about Jesus. This is about the gospel. This is about the transforming power of the gospel in our lives. It is about, it is finished. We are all, you came for all of us to seek and to save all of us. We pray, Lord, that our brothers and sisters that are in, in India right now, that are in Asia, Lord, I pray for Ian and the nations of worship, the music that's going forth. There's so much happening uh, that you are behind, Lord, and I just seek your wisdom on it and pray that don't bless what we're doing, but we want to do and be a part of what you're already doing, and by that virtue, it's already blessed. And we know that you care for the least of these brothers of mine. We know that you, uh, you, c- you could do it any way you wanted, but you've, you've let us, you've invited us to be a part of this journey. And that's pretty awesome. And we're super thankful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.